I was at the Billy Graham School of Evangelism in 1985, and the pastor came up to the pulpit, and he said, Now, pastors, open your swords. And he opened the book. And I reminded, uh, was reminded of that this week because uh, the sword of the Spirit, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is something that cuts into our hearts, and it should. And I want you to know, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here today. And this church, at least your pastors, and the one that's going to stand before you, seeks to come and speak of righteousness and truth. So if you're, if you're needing a couple of jokes and some pithy statements and maybe something to post on Instagram later, this might not be it. But what you're going to hear today is the truth of God that originates in the Holy Scripture, the sword of the Spirit. It's going to speak, be spoken to you clearly, and that is our endeavor always. We would love, 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 love to make everyone happy. We really would. But instead, we choose to preach the Word of God and stand upon it. And we hope that you're here for the same thing. So here's the Word of God from the 8th chapter of the book of John, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, <clears throat> my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But I, if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the, the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from this, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you did not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. For what I've heard from him, I will tell the world. They did not understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him, even as he spoke. Many believed in him. May God add his blessing to this reading of our scriptures. Let us pray. God who was and is and is to come, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and holy, inspiring parent of Pastor Keith, we ask, Lord, that he come forward today unabated by anything and encouraged and enthused and fused with the Holy Spirit 
so that the words he speak might not be of his own invention or good idea, but might be from you. We want nothing less. It's all we need. Thank you, Jesus, in advance. Amen. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Um, So here's Jesus again teaching, and, and of course, like we've seen so many times, there's two reactions to Jesus. There are those that challenge and reject what he's saying, and then at the very end we see there are those that accept him and believe in him, and the teaching that he's making that we're reading this morning is that he is the light of the world, and that whoever follows him will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. I want to talk about this idea first, and then we're going to talk about how to respond to this and what it means. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the light of the world? Notice he says, I am the light, not a light. He's not one among many. He's not saying, you get to pick your light, you get to decide, but I'm one of the lights. He says, I am the light of the world. There are, there's seven times in John's gospel where Jesus says, I am the something. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We'll see later in in, in future sermons. Recently, we saw where he said, I am the bread of life. He'll talk later about, I am the good shepherd. There's a lot of, of, of opportunity for Jesus to identify himself in different ways that allow us to understand him. And here he's saying, I am the light. And what does the light do? It illuminates a person's life, of course, and I've been thinking about what does that really mean at the basic level? What does light do? And the answer is this, that the light simply tells the truth, doesn't it? That's what the light does. That's what these lights do. They tell the truth, don't they? They tell us what's going on around us. If we didn't have light, it'd be really hard to know the truth. If you didn't have lights above your, your, your bathroom mirrors, then you wouldn't know how well you looked or how not well you looked. It tells the truth. That's, that's all it does. And when you're driving down a road and you have your lights on, the truth is this is in front of you or that is in front of you. And that's what light does. It, it, it brings truth. But here's the thing about this light, especially when it's guiding you somewhere, Right? You have to follow it in order to see what's in front of you. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that that I am the light of life, and if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. And that only works when you follow the light. See, if the light's headed in a different direction, and and then you steer off and go this way, all of a sudden now the light is, is illuminating truth, but it's somewhere else, and where you're going, it's complete darkness again. So you must follow the light, not get ahead of it. Have you ever got ahead of the light before? You know, can you imagine if if you're you're walking down a path and and someone has the flashlight, but they're maybe going a little bit too slowly for you, and you say, oh, I know where to go, and you get in front of that light. Sometimes you can block the light, can't you, when you get ahead of the light. You can block that, and even though the light's shining right behind, you know, it's, it's shining on you, Because you wanted to get ahead of it, now you all of a sudden you're in darkness again. It's so important that we understand this because you can't follow a light that's shining someplace else or especially that's shining behind you. 
Think about that. There's a reason why they make the headlights on your car point forward, right? Because that's where you need to go. But there is one that shines a light behind you in your life, and he is our enemy, the devil. And we're going to talk about the devil here this morning for a little bit. Are you ready for that? And what he does, because he shines a light too, doesn't he? But he always shines a light behind you. He is always wanting to bring up your past, isn't he? So as you're trying to move forward in your life and follow Jesus, oftentimes there can be this other light, and that other light is shining behind you and and competing for your attention so that you can fall into these traps, the traps of shame, the traps of guilt, or the trap of pride. These are all associated with where the devil is shining the light on you because he knows that if he can get you to be focusing on what's behind you, instead of moving forward, you're going to trip up and, and be off track. And that's really, the Bible tells us, his goal is to devour you and destroy your life. And there's no easier way to destroy a person's life than to get them too focused on their past so that they can't see what's in front of them or what's around them. See, focusing on what's behind you is the best way and to keep you in the darkness about what's in front of you, and the trap is to let your, your past define your future. And this can happen through fear of bad things being repeated. I mean, you know what that's like. If, if a, a bad thing has happened to you, maybe you went to a particular uh, restaurant and you, you got sick one time, you'll never go back there again, right? Or you, you, you did this on a project and it went wrong, so you'll never do that again. Or, or whatever it might be. Or you, you, you gave someone a compliment at the, at the grocery aisle and they, they freaked out. So you'll never send us something nice again. I mean, you can insert your own life there. But we do that, don't we? Something can happen and we can learn a lesson. And, and oftentimes, even though it may not have anything to do with the reality of our future, we will live in that, that past Or we can have pride in believing that we can rest on our laurels of of past successes, can't we? Sometimes our, our, our trap is to look back at our lives and think, oh, I got this, I can handle this, I'm successful, I had good experience, I don't need the, to, to be prepared, I don't need this. I mean, we've all seen situations like that, haven't we, where a person becomes so prideful over their past successes that they step into a future and, and, and aren't prepared. You see, Jesus is about illuminating your present so that we can effectively move in to our future. Now, I'm not saying that we don't look at our past or that we can't learn from our past. I think it was Theodore Roosevelt who said this. I could be somebody else. I could be completely crazy. But somebody said this. They said, it's, it's okay to look at your past, just don't stare. Okay? Just don't stare. It's okay to look back and see what's behind you. It's important to do that, right? But make sure it's a glance, not a stare as you're moving forward. It's important. You see, there's a difference between dealing with your past, which is often what we need to do, and being stuck in your past. You know what I'm talking about? Some people look at their past and they have things they got to deal with. Maybe you've been through some trauma or some, some difficulty and you're realizing, you know what, I'm still kind of stuck in my past. We have to deal with these things so that we can let them go. But some people just get stuck in their past and are unable to move forward. And being stuck in your past means that it negatively affects your ability to think clearly and rationally about yourself and about the world. 
Dealing with your past is about learning from it and using what you've learned to make better decisions about your present and about your future. Do you have some stuff you need to deal with this morning? Maybe you do. Maybe that's what's keeping you from living fully today or moving into the future with freedom and hope in Christ. Is you know, oh, I'm, I'm still stuck in what happened in 1982. You know? I'm still stuck in what happened, you know, when I was a kid and someone hurt me. I'm still stuck in what happened, you know, this horrible thing that I did years ago. I'm stuck in that. We've got to be careful not to do that. Jesus says, look, I'm leading you somewhere, and it's not backwards. And if you're going to follow Jesus into, the, into your future, you have to not be chained to things that, are hap- that have happened in your past that you can't do anything about anymore. Remember, the devil always shines it backwards, doesn't he? He always says to you, look what you did, or look what happened to you. Or he says to you, man, look what you did. You don't need to listen to anybody in the future. You're the man. You're the woman. You, you know all the answers. Either way, either way, we need to deal with our past but not be stuck in it. But sometimes that can even be unclear, can't it? Because we are finite human beings with faults and sin. It's difficult. And this is precisely why we need illumination. This is precisely why we need the light of life. And Jesus declares that he is the ultimate illumination. And that illumination comes only, though, when we follow Jesus. For he is the light. And when we step behind his light, then we can see clearly. But as soon as we step away from it, or step back, we're now walking in darkness. John said earlier in chapter 3, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. See, here's the thing. Some people choose to stay in the darkness because they're so afraid that if they step into the light, they'll be exposed. And it's fear that keeps them in the darkness. Think about how many times we do that in our lives. How many times do we stay ignorant of something so that we don't have to deal with the reality of the truth, right? How many of us, let's be honest, how many of us when we get up to get ready for the morning, we just keep those lights off? We're just like, ah, whatever, it's fine. I don't want to deal with this today. You know? Sometimes we choose to remain ignorant. We don't want to open that bank statement. We don't want to open that red envelope that came to us in the mail. We don't want to to have that meeting with that person who said, look, we really need to talk about things. We blow it off or we we go the other way. We don't want to deal with with what's real because sometimes we just know that we're exposed. But the light of life takes us into the truth. And I pray that even though we may not like always what we see when the light comes on, that we would still follow it But in order to stay in that light, we have to keep following Jesus. Now, we certainly can veer off course, and we have. But in doing so, we immediately leave the light and walk in darkness. I want to talk a little bit and unpack a little bit more about what I think it means to walk in darkness. First of all, when you walk in darkness, we're just going to be very obvious here today. When you walk in darkness, you cannot see where you are, right? When you're in complete darkness, you don't even know where you are. And I think there's plenty of analogies we could talk about with that in terms of your physical reality, but what does it mean spiritually 
to not see where you are, to not know what's going on. Romans 1.21 says this about that. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is the danger that religious people often walk into. Religious people, just like these Pharisees, okay, that Jesus was speaking to, have this idea that they know God, right? Because we're religious. We go to church. We, we were baptized. We were confirmed. We've done all the Jesus things or, or, or whatever. And we can oftentimes fall into this trap that, well, I'm okay. Because, I, yeah, I'm religious. I, I know God. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an American. I'm a Christian. I, I, I'm a good patriotic American, right? I, I go to church. I'm a Methodist or whatever we might be. But there's a difference between this, this, this sort of smokescreen of knowing God and honoring God. There's a big difference, isn't there? There's a lot of people that know you in your life. But there's probably just a handful that really truly honor you, right? It's a big difference, isn't it? You can know someone and think they're crazy, right? You can know someone and think, well, they're okay. But man, how many people truly do you feel like in your life that you would say, wow, they honor me or I honor them? The Pharisees had all of this knowledge. They had all of this, this religious pride. That was a good point, apparently. The, the, the Pharisees had all of this pride or it was a really bad one. I guess we'll find out. Um, and... They thought they knew so much about God. But Jesus said to them, look, you think you know so much, but if you really knew God, you would know me. And you don't. How many of us fall into that trap from time to time? Just do the churchy thing, the Jesus thing, the Christian thing, supposedly. But do we really honor God? How do you know? How do you know? See, when you're in the darkness, you can't see where you are. Because when you fail to honor God, you're changed in your thinking. And your hearts become darkened. So when you walk in darkness, you can't even really see where you are. Because the truth is, has, is somewhere else. Secondly, about walking in darkness, you cannot see where you are going. You know, it's pretty obvious too, isn't it? What does Jesus mean by that? You, you can't see where you're going. As soon as you step away from the light, now you can be just, just inches from a cliff and have no idea. How many of us, if we could go into a time machine and travel back in time and speak with our, our younger selves, would have some advice, right? And some, some conversations that look a little bit like this, hey, don't do that, right? I, I would. Would you? How many, how many of you would jump back in time and go to that moment when, when you were walking in darkness, not knowing you were about to step off a, a proverbial cliff in your life, and, and, and you didn't know, or, or, or you were, your mind was darkened, or, or what, and you'd go back and you'd say, whatever you're doing, this, you just got to stop this. Don't take that step. Don't do that thing. Don't, whatever it is. Probably all of us have a few of those, don't we? See, when you walk in darkness, you, you can't see where you're going. Jesus talked about that when in Matthew 15, verse 14, there were some, some people who said, what about these Pharisees? And here's what he said about them. He said, leave them. Now, these were people that were following the Pharisees. He said, leave them. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, they will both 
fall into a pit. A blind person or a person walking in total darkness could be headed straight for a pit and have no idea that it's there and just keep on walking. How many of us have seen that in life? People just living their life, doing their thing, just moments away from that pit. But because they're walking in darkness, they have no idea where they're going. I moved yesterday, thanks to a lot of people who helped me. Um, we moved into this, this, this house, and, and uh, we had this 24-foot trailer that a friend of mine let me borrow. And it's kind of a narrow street, and there are cars parked around, and but man, thankfully, as I was backing this thing up, I had, you know, I had Brian there who was helping me, and I had, had some others that were helping me, and, and especially Brian, he, he was there yesterday doing this, right? Make sure I was okay. Make sure, because I couldn't see behind this 24-foot trailer, right? I had no idea, you know, and, and, and it was all great, but you know what? I don't mean to make you feel bad, but after Brian left, there was, after everybody was gone, we were, we were at the end of the day. And I had to take this trailer and, and push it back into this spot on the street so that its owner could find it. And I thought, you know, I've backed this thing up a few times today. It'd be no big deal. Yeah. So I got to meet my neighbors. <laughs> and uh, the conversation went something like this. Hey, how you doing? Uh, uh, my name's Keith. I'm, I'm, I'm your new neighbor across the street. And, and here's my insurance card. Because I backed into that car that was sitting right there. You know, that gray one we were saying. I wish that car wasn't there. Yeah, me too. Because here's what I was doing. I, I, I pulled up forward and I, like, I had to back this thing. Oh, I know what I'm doing. I can do this. I'm okay. But you see, I was all alone now. And I couldn't see where I was going. But I thought I would be okay because I'd done it so many times, right? The devil shining the past on my light, shining the light on my past, pride, you know, you got this. But here it was. I could have just gone forward, driven around the block, and then put the trailer exactly where it needed to be, which is what I ended up doing. See, if I just would have done that first, moving forward, then I'd have been fine. But because I wanted to go backward and couldn't see, bam, right? Maybe God just wanted me to have a good illustration for this sermon today. Thanks. Or maybe I'm just an idiot, you know? I'll let you decide on that, okay? Just don't send me an email telling me the answer. But you see, when you can't see where you're going, when you're moving backwards, man, if you're blind, you can't see. I had no idea that car was... I couldn't see. Bam. Man, how many of us live in that world, you guys? How many of us live in that world where, because we let our hearts become darkened, we can't see? And because we can't see, man, we don't know where we're going. Thirdly, to walk in darkness means this. You cannot even see yourself. You can't see yourself, can you? Now, spiritually speaking, what does that mean? I I think this is interesting. James chapter 1, he writes these words. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I used to think that was a weird verse. But it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? See, when you're in darkness, you can't even see yourself. You can have such a lack of self-awareness spiritually when you walk in darkness that you have no idea who you even really are. And man, this is the biggest trap of all, I think. This is the biggest danger is when you don't know who you really are because then you have to like make stuff up, right? You have to like invent data about yourself. 
in terms of who you really are. And the trap, of course, is to, to look at yourself in one of two ways when you don't know who you are and you have to decide who you are. When it comes to, to, to who you are in this world and with God, I mean, some of us, let's, let's be real, we look at ourselves and we say, oh my gosh, I, I'm horrible. I am, I'm, I'm the worst sinner ever. I, I, I do bad things. I have a dark heart. I'm, I'm, I'm so bad. I've done horrible things, made terrible mistakes, hurt lots of people. And, and oh my goodness, God would want nothing to do with me. So we convince ourselves, because we don't know who we really are, we convince ourselves that we're unlovable and that Jesus would want nothing to do with us. You've talked to people like that, right? Who, oh, I'd go to church, but oh my gosh. The place would just drop from a lightning strike the minute I walked in there because I'm so bad. Jesus wants nothing to do with me. So what we would do when we feel that way is because of our shame, we isolate and we cower in the corner afraid of God because we've convinced ourselves that because of our sin, we're so unlovable. So our sin, you know, Jesus said to these people, you will die in your sins. And here's how that can happen. When you become so uh, obsessed with your own sinfulness that you let it keep you from Jesus. That's one way. Well, the second way is probably even worse. But it's a little bit more tricky, and that's probably why it's worse. The, The other way is to not know who you are, so you create this persona about yourself that says this, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't need the whole church thing. I don't need Jesus because, you know, I'm a good person. I, I give. I'm generous. I, I help people out. I'm nice. I do good things. I, I take care of people. I, I, I'm a good person person. I don't try to, to, to tell bad lies or do anything, you know, like Mike said last week, I'm not a murderer. We convince ourselves that sometimes, and we've fallen into this trap that, that because we've avoided sin, now we can avoid Jesus. Because Jesus is for those sinners. He's for those people, you know, the, the abusers and the addicts and the, the downcast of society and the criminals and the really bad people. They're the ones that need Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I'm a good person. And that's what Jesus is for, right? To make me a good person? Well, guess what? He's got a little bit less work to do because I already took care of it myself. That's a trap too. You see, some people avoid Jesus because of their sin. Others avoid Jesus because of their righteousness. But here's what the gospel shows us. It shows us who we really are. And here's where it cuts through all of that. The gospel shows you that on your best day, on your best day, you're nowhere near good enough. You're nowhere near good enough. You know, the Bible tells us that all of the righteous acts that we can perform in and of ourselves are like filthy rags to God. Now, I'm not trying to beat up your self-esteem here, okay? But that's what the Bible tells us, that none of us can really stand before a holy God and say, well, I'm a good person. According to who? Right? That's the question you have to ask when people say, well, I don't need Jesus, I don't need church, I don't need God, I'm a good person. Well, what is good? Who gets to decide what good is? Because our society hasn't got a clue what that means, right? Secondly, how good do you have to be? How much is enough? What does it mean to be good? How, does all, how do all those things work? 
Once you start to go down that path, you never know where you're going to end up. Secondly, you need to understand this. On your worst day, on your worst day, you are more loved than you can possibly ever imagine. You are more loved than you can possibly ever imagine. Because Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me while we were still enemies of God. While we, the Bible says, were dead in our sins. God made us alive through Jesus Christ. And that our salvation has been given to us as a gift of grace by God. Not because of anything we've done to earn it, but because of what He has done for us. You see, on your best day, you're nowhere good enough for God, but on your worst day, you're loved more than you can possibly imagine. That's the truth of the gospel, and that's what will set you free from all this other insanity, and that's the light that Jesus is leading you into, because the closer you get to his light, the more aware of yourself spiritually you become. And that's so important, because to know God is to ultimately know yourself, because God shines the light on you. So you can really see who you are. And you can see what he's done for you. So once you know that, now you've got to walk in the light. You've got to walk in the light. So this was Jesus' testimony to these people. And what do the Pharisees say? What do they do? They come to him, of course, like they've been saying, and say, here you are again, Jesus, talking and having these ideas, but why should we listen to you? You're just one man. What makes you so smart? You didn't even go to rabbi school. You didn't even learn anything. Why should we care what you say? Because in the Jewish religion, the testimony of one person was meaningless. But Jesus points out that his testimony is not his own. He says, these are my father's words. Now, that doesn't mean that he has different words. It just simply means that he's not just another guy making up his own teaching. <clears throat> this is important because you've got to understand why you're supposed to listen to Jesus. His authority comes from the fact that he has a divine nature and a relationship to God the Father. Now the Jews were devoted to God the Father. And Jesus is saying clearly that because they don't know Jesus, they don't really know God the Father. They thought they did. But they didn't. So what makes it valid, ultimately? What makes Jesus' words valid is simply this. His proximity to God the Father, who He is. Jesus' testimony is valid because it's the testimony of God Himself. And Jesus stands alone in this regard. Remember when Jesus invited the twelve disciples to unfollow Him? after his teaching about eating his flesh and drinking his blood to have life, what did Peter say? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There was no one else out there, and there still isn't, who alone has the words of eternal life and can be that light to the world. Jesus stands alone. He stands alone. And I want you to think about this. This is important. If you're going to write down anything I say, I want you to write this down. Jesus isn't right because he has the correct teaching. The teaching is correct because it's his. You've got to understand that. 
It isn't if Jesus, it isn't as if Jesus just tapped into this, this spiritual truth and therefore has the right teaching, okay? The teaching is the right teaching because it's his. He is the truth. He doesn't just know the truth. He doesn't just have access to the truth. He is the truth. And that's incredibly important because if we miss this, then we start judging Jesus. And we start saying, well, you know, things like this. Jesus, yeah, he taught some good things. He had some good advice. He had some good ideas. But, you know, there were others that did and others that have come since Jesus. And now we have a a greater picture of the truth. And Jesus certainly, you know, contributed to that. No. What Jesus is saying is, I am the truth. I am the light. So whatever he says is the truth. Think about that. Whatever he says is the truth. And when you understand that, it takes yourself out of the driver's seat and places Jesus on the throne of your heart rather than your own opinions. So you have this information. You know, there were those that had it with Jesus' day, and it says that some walked away, but it also says that even as he spoke, many believed. And, you know, my prayer for all of us today is that we'd be counted among those who even as he spoke, we believed. So, how do you walk in the light? Quickly, three things. First one is this, stop judging by human standards. That's what Jesus kept telling the Pharisees over and over and over again. He said, look, stop judging by human standards. Make a correct judgment. It wasn't that Jesus was telling them not to make judgments. He certainly did. He wasn't saying, oh, you should never judge. He said, judge, but make correct judgments. And the way that you do that is by by stop looking at things through this human lens, through human standards, through what the world says, or through what matters most to us as humans. He says, stop doing that. Then you'll understand. Then you'll have the light. Secondly, to walk in the light means to put your belief in Jesus. And we can't, we can't underestimate the importance of that. It says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. That's where it starts, to put our belief in Jesus. And then, of course, thirdly, is to follow him. You know, there's a big difference between believing in Jesus and following him. One leads to the other, at least it's supposed to. But a lot of us stop short at the following, don't we? But I want to remind you that Jesus' invitation to his disciples has always begun with three words. Come, follow me. Jesus is not a standstill God. He's not a God that points backwards to your past. And he's not a God that says, let's just sit here and do nothing. He's a God that says, I'm going places. And where I'm going is the truth. And I want you to come with me. The only way you can get there is to follow me. You know, I saw this little uh, thing on the internet. It was a picture of the difference between a, a boss and a leader. And the two pictures, I wish I had a picture of it. The two pictures were, the first one, what they, were, they were of a, of a, a chariot being, being pulled by others. And in the chariot was a man behind being pulled, pointing, saying, go that way. And it said, boss. And then the other one was of people pulling a chariot and one person in front pulling the load saying this way and it said leader and that's what Jesus is 
He doesn't stand behind you watching you from a distance saying, go that way, go this way, do that. That's not how God's guidance works. God's guidance is more like this. Come, follow me this way. It's over here, right this way. I'll show you where to go. Don't go that way. Stay away from there. There's a trap over there. Stop looking behind you. This is where you got to go, and it's awesome. And I'm going ahead of you, and where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So let's go. This is amazing. Don't stay back there in the dark. Come with me into the light. It's awesome up here. May we put our faith in him, and may we follow him wherever he leads us. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the light, the light. And Lord, you promised us that when we would follow you, we would never walk in darkness. And Lord, each of us has moments in our lives where we look back and we were unquestionably walking in darkness, God. But Lord, we know that if we follow you, all that stuff in our past is behind us. And it's in darkness now, but we're in your light. So may we be washed in that light. It's the light of life. And God, that's what we seek this morning. So may each of us, Lord, know even today, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today, that there would be at least one step today in front of us that's illuminated. Lord, some of us have been standing still for far too long, not sure where to go, not sure what to do, not sure which step is the right step. God, would you just shine that light close enough to us that we could see what that next step is, God, so that we can be faithful and walk into it, Lord, and then we'll see another one. Because, Lord, your light is not off in the distance where the whole path is illuminated. God, often it's right in front of us. Lord, because you want to be close to us. So give us that faith. And give us that illumination. In Jesus' name, amen. May we never walk in darkness. Have a look at this video. Marian Methodist is special to me. This is a place where I have grown in my faith, my, and grown in how I follow the Lord. Um, the Bible studies and the, the sermons and the things that we preach here, um, they've just been fantastic to help me grow in, in my walk with the Lord. Choose to give my gifts because I, I do believe that you know I've been blessed in many, many ways, and financial giving is a way that I can give back. Um, it also you know, sets an example to our children. Our children have been very, very faithful in this church. They've grown in this church. It has been exciting to see how they gro- they've grown, and, and it, it shows them the importance we place in how we choose to give our, give our money and, and give back to the Lord. My name is Linda Payton. These are the reasons that I give to Marian Methodist. Will you please join me in worshiping the Lord this way? Will the ushers please come forward?